Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. episode number 178 of real life ghost stories to kick things off this week i need to say thank you to some of our newest patreon subscribers i would like to thank a b laura b Jaden mctaggart amy Catherine talcott rafrox amy h taylor mary rantiscola Alyssa, jadeen irish wristwatch terry shannon tom clark Chloe Hickson, Tammy Harding, Alice Hollingdale, Kevin McElane, Carrie Kempf Brockman, Alexandria Trimble, and Kenna. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. I love you and appreciate you every single day. And I have two podcast promos for you this week. They're short and sweet, don't worry. But I really wanted to give a shout out to two podcasts this week. Because listen, starting a podcast is hard when you're an independent podcaster. Finding listeners is hard. Getting listeners is hard. And these are two really good podcasts. So the first podcast is a podcast called True Crime Coven. And it's a weekly podcast where two self-proclaimed witches talk all things true crime and paranormal. So Claudia and Jess are so lovely and so respectful when they tell the stories. I've got a real love-hate relationship with true crime and I, I, I think a lot of true crime is really problematic. But they are very respectful in their discussion of particular cases. Their true crime podcast episodes generally tend to be very focused on the victims and they're focused on facts. They avoid kind of sensationalization and... Yeah, I really, I really like the podcast and they alternate between true crime and the paranormal. So if you're somebody who likes true crime, but not too much of it, there is a good mix of true crime and paranormal in there. Also, I was a guest on True Crime Coven and I am on episode number 38 and I had an absolute ball. It was great fun. So if you're looking for a new female-led true crime slash paranormal podcast, then do check out True Crime Coven. And the second promo that I have for you today is for Scary, a paranormal podcast. And that is the podcast by Will from Mysteries of the Unexplained. And it opens a door to a world of untold, terrifying stories. Discover an atmospheric story bi-weekly as Will narrates real-life paranormal stories, encounters with ominous characters and spine-chilling experiences. So look... I know there's a lot of people who listen to real life ghost stories because of the accent. So if you want another atmospheric ghost storytelling podcast with an Irish accent, then this one is for you. It's a really good podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. And Will is just gorgeous. I love Will so much. Will, if you're listening, you know that I love you. So I would absolutely love it if you could go and support Will and give Scary a paranormal podcast a listen. So that's two podcasts for you today. True Crime Coven and scary, a paranormal podcast, and the links to both of those will be in the description of this episode. So let's get on to our film review. Our film review this week is Orphan First Kill. Orphan First Kill was released in 2022. It is 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb and 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. After escaping from a psychiatric facility in Estonia, Esther travels to America by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family. Yet, an unexpected twist arises that pits her against a mother who will protect her family at any cost. So like always with the film review, I'm going to start with likes and then move on to the dislikes. And we're going to try and keep this short and sweet. So this film is set one year before the original film. So what we get to learn is how Esther came to be in America in the first place. And I loved seeing Esther 
in the psychiatric facility and kind of trying to understand where she came from and what her behaviour was like outside of living with these families where she was posing as a little girl. It was really interesting and I... I'm going to give them props for storytelling, right? There was elements of it that I thought were badly told. There were plot holes in this story. However, it was always going to be tough to follow the original Orphan film as it has a notorious twist. Notorious. And I thought, oh, that's what people expect when they watch a film like Orphan. And when they watch Orphan First Kill, they're going to be waiting for a big twist in the story. And I have to give it to them. Like, I was really pleasantly surprised by this film and actually how entertaining it really was. So there really is so little I can say about this without giving anything away. But what I'm going to say to you is, this film is very entertaining. And the girl who plays Esther, so her name is Isabel Furman, Foreman, Furman, Gives an, uh, she gives an incredible performance, right? She is great in it. Esther is great in it. The film is really entertaining, but it is also completely ridiculous and absolutely, absolutely absurd. It's one of those films where you will be entertained when you are watching it, but you need to suspend your disbelief. But I do think that if you watched the first one and enjoyed it, this one is definitely worth a watch just for more of Esther's story which is which has always kind of intrigued people since the first orphan was released so we're going to move swiftly on to the dislikes <laughs> and um oh oh this film I mean the more I've thought about it the more ridiculous it has become so the film is set a year before the original right so Isabel Foreman played Esther when she was 11 Now, some sources say she was 10 and some sources say she was 11. But either way, she was 10 or 11 years old. She is now playing Esther again. But a year before. But she's, but she's 25 now. She's she's 25 years old. So they decided not to have any de-aging CGI in this film and I think it was a really bad idea they used like a body double to do the body shots and the body double was obviously like a child but Esther when you saw her as like Isabel Foreman and not the body double it just didn't match with the body double like it was completely inconsistent completely inconsistent and then I was immediately like whooshed from the world every time I saw this obvious child that was not a body double like there were points where the body double's hair was not the same as Esther's and I was like oh this is just so wrong and I'm not I'm not for overuse of CGI in films whatsoever but I think in this instance there has to have been something else they could have done like she I think she just looked too old now to play Esther I really do think that there were so many moments within the story where I was like she does not remotely look like a child not in a million years does she look like an 11 year old or a, I think she was meant to be like 11 or 12 at the time of this film or younger. I don't I don't I, I got really confused about the age of her in this in this film, but it didn't look good and I didn't think that it worked. And I have to say she put in a great performance. The acting from everyone else was poor at best, you know. I haven't seen Julia Stiles in a movie in a very long time. And in this film, she plays Esther's mother as in Esther is pretending to be the daughter that Julia Stiles lost, the daughter that went missing. And uh, Julia Stiles is not a good actor. And the guy who played her husband, not a good actor. Not a good actor at all. I sort of was watching them going, your long lost daughter has just returned and you're, and this is, this, this is how you're behaving. You've got your child back and this is how you're behaving. And this is, this is how you're responding to it. And uh, there was this really strange moment in the in the storytelling where Esther arrives home to what was her home before she allegedly went missing. And now she's posing as this child that went missing, etc, etc. So she arrives home and the way in which they choose to denote the fact that the family are really wealthy is that they just have a load of Fabergé eggs lined up on the mantelpiece. <laughs> what? Like, why? Who owns Fabergé eggs? <laughs> oh it just was a very it was a very there was very very strange choices that were made in this film and actually I found that it wasn't particularly scary or unsettling as the original Orphan had been and I think they accidentally might have made 
Esther a protagonist in this, which I really don't think they should have done. And actually, I think that this story would have benefited more from from actually learning about Esther's childhood and how she grew up to be this this monster that she is, or Lena as her name actually is. I wanted to learn about like what happened in her childhood. Who were the first family that she conned? Who were the first family that she killed? So kind of calling it orphan first kill. I don't know. I don't know. Wasn't wasn't a very true to life name for a film. But fundamentally, I just didn't think it was that great. And it didn't live up to the first orphan film at all. Now, in saying that, like I said, there were moments of absolute brilliance. There were moments that shocked me. There were moments that really entertained me so it's hard to give this film a mark out of five I I think I'm gonna have to give it a three because while there were elements of it that I thought were ridiculous and were really bad directorial choices there were moments that I thought were great so it's a three out of five for Orphan First Kill Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which brings us to our stories this week. Now I say stories because there are multiple stories this week. The reason is that every so often I post on social media and I will say, hey, what are the episodes that you want to hear? Is there a paranormal story that you'd love to hear? Do you know of a haunting? Is there more of something that you want to hear? And every single time I get multiple, multiple requests for Glitch in the Matrix stories. People love Glitch in the Matrix stories. So I try and do a Glitch in the Matrix Matrix episode every so often. And it's kind of hard to find Glitch in the Matrix stories because I've done a lot of them over time. I think all of these stories are original stories as in original stories to the podcast. If there are any stories that you've heard on Real Life Ghost Stories before, then I apologise. I've done so many stories at this point that sometimes they do double up. I don't think I've doubled any up and it might be that you've heard them on another podcast or on a YouTube channel or whatever it is. All of these stories have been taken from Reddit. If I couldn't find the original story on Reddit, I will leave the link to where I found the story. So the website that I found the story on and all the usernames. And the links to find the stories will be in the description of this episode. I think I have 11 stories in all. So buckle up for some really, really juicy Glitch in the Matrix stories. And let's get into it. The first story comes from Sarah X 11 When I was around 20, a few years ago, I kept having dreams about a woman with long black hair named Aurora. They were different dreams, but for some reason, her distinct face and name always ended up in them. It got to the point where I would wake up frustrated and confused, trying to Google her name or find out how I was connected to her. After a few months, she stopped showing up and I dismissed it, thinking my brain was just being a scumbag. Fast forward a few years later, it was Halloween 2009. I was in the car with a friend and stopped at a gas station. I was about to pull out and merge onto a highway when I got a phone call from a random number, so I stopped the car but no one answered. There was a person behind me who grew impatient, honked at me, and then swerved in front of me instead of waiting for two seconds for me to move. The second they got on the highway, some silver Civic loses control of their wheel and crashes into the car that swerved in front of me. I called the cops and waited at the gas station for them to come. It turned out that the drivers of both cars died. It 100% 
would have been me if I hadn't have gotten that phone call. I called it back a few hours later out of gratitude and curiosity. It rang three times and went to voicemail. Hi, you've reached Aurora. Please leave your name and number. I have never had goosebumps like that in my life. I called it again the next day because I was that confused about the whole situation. Some woman answered, we get to talking. I told her my entire story, including the dreams that I had. She tells me she doesn't know how I got her number and that she had never called me as far as she remembered. Weird. I asked her if she had a Facebook to confirm if she was in fact the woman in my dreams. I checked her Facebook. Holy fuck, it was her. No, stop it. Stop it now. Like, I would be obsessed with this woman if this was me. And I just want to just want to say before we go any further that I'm sort of taking these stories at face value, you know. We can dig in and try and debunk the story and say, oh, it's not real for these reasons. But I'm just kind of taking them at face value because it's more entertaining that way. But if this was me, right, and I was dreaming about this woman and then apparently her phone somehow saved my life, I would be obsessed with her. I'd be like, we need to meet. And she'd be like, no, you freak. I don't know who you are. I've never met you before. But how... How how does this happen? So you've been dreaming about this woman constantly and then her phone pulls you over, stops your car and then the cars that, that, the cars that should have been you get ploughed into and they all die. Like, what does that mean? Is she like your unsuspecting guardian angel? Or is, it, is another dimension version of her your guardian angel? Like, which one is it? I'd love to know how she responded to the telling of like, okay, basically I need to ring you back because this has just happened to me. I've been dreaming about you all the time. I don't know who you are and this is what's been going on in my life and I just need to let you know and do you have a Facebook because I I want to see if you're the same person that's been showing up in my dreams. Like, how would you respond to that as a human being? Like, if somebody rang me and said that, I'd be like, okay, first of all, you're crazy. But second of all, what if you're not crazy and what does that mean? Like, what does that actually, what does that mean for me? Who who am I? What am I? I would also like to say there's definitely like a story in here about people having alternate versions of themselves that have a role within the world that is supernatural, like guardian angels or, you know, even negative roles. Somebody, somebody write that, please. That there's a version of you out there that is bopping around, doing business, whatever, whatever that business is. Somebody write it, but give me all the credit. Thank you. Okay, our next story comes from the user Kill All Extremists. This happened about 15 years ago. I called my friend up and he wasn't home, so I left a message on his answering machine. I said, Hey, it's me. Sorry I missed you. I'll call you later. Bye. And then I hung up and left the house. I made no other calls. Later that day, he called back and he said, Wow, that was quite a message you left. Who was that girl you were talking to? And then I asked him, what are you talking about? I wasn't talking to any girl. Well, as it turns out, the message didn't end after I said goodbye. I had to go over to his house and listen to the message a few times. After my initial message that I did leave, there was a slight pause. And it continued on for another 30 to 40 seconds or so with me talking to some girl. It was my voice but a conversation I never had with a girl whose voice I didn't recognise. You could compare it to the message I know I did leave and the two voices were indistinguishable. Not just the voice, but, you know, my talking mannerisms. It was my voice. Also, my references to my occupation and my activities were the same. Basically, in this conversation, I was talking to this girl about going skiing but I had to go down to my shop and work on a car first, which totally correlated to me. Then the message just stopped. It was recorded on one of those digital answering machines that recorded the message to a chip, so there was no tape I could have taken and had analysed, unfortunately. Also, neither I nor my friend had party lines, so that's not an explanation. It was very freaky and I can't explain it. So this one I found really unsettling. For a number of reasons, firstly being 
you do know the sound of your own voice. Even if you hate the sound of your own voice, you know the sound of your own voice, right? And when you hear your own voice on the phone or you hear your own voice in recording, you're like, oh, that's me. And it sounds hideous, right? So I don't for a second think this person confused the sound of their own voice with somebody else's. Also, the things that this person was talking about was relevant to what was happening in their life. So like going skiing and fixing up a car, whatever it was. So they knew that it was them in the audio. But if you have a conversation with somebody, you might not necessarily remember it all the time. So I personally don't remember a lot of things that happened to me in the short term. So I might have a conversation with somebody and forget it. However, if that conversation was recorded and played back to me, I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, we did have that conversation. Yeah, I remember now. I remember that and this is where we were and this is who I was talking to. But this conversation happened with somebody that the original poster, they they don't know who that person is. Who is that girl that they were talking to? And you could say, oh, you know, it was a weird phone glitch where maybe the phone had like recorded something later and added it to the message somehow, whatever it was, right? There's lots of glitchy things that that can happen with technology that could account for it. But it doesn't explain who the girl is and why the original poster doesn't remember who this woman is or ever having this conversation with this woman or why it was relevant. This again feels like interdimensional. It feels like he's having that same conversation but in another dimension, in another layer of time and somehow they got crossed over in the most weirdly innocuous way. And the fact that they were able to like play back and listen to the message multiple times and go oh my God, that is my voice, but who is that girl? And I never had that conversation with somebody. Because if somebody said to you, oh, your your voice message was really weird. There was all this like conversation at the end of it. You're hearing that secondhand and you're not getting to listen to it. So they could have been mistaken, right? Or it could have been mixed with another message that they had left or another message that they had sitting on the answer machine, whatever it was. And I think there are a million and one technical and technological reasons that this could have happened. But it's the not remembering the conversation and not knowing who the girl was. That's the thing that gets me. And our third story comes from the user Parrot Tamer. At 12 years of age, my mom let me stay in the truck as she went grocery shopping. As I waited, I saw an old guy walking towards the truck with an indescribable look on his face. He was looking at me as if I knew too much. He stopped five feet from the truck, looked at me for a couple of seconds, and headed back the exact way that he came. It was rather traumatic for some reason and very confusing at that age. Five or six years later, my dad was showing me home videos of us at Yellowstone. At Old Faithful, I noticed the same guy, same look, same clothes, peering at us on camera, and at me through the TV. I am freaked out just telling this. This Yellowstone video was from when I was very young, I'm thinking one or two years of age. I was in a backpack on my dad's back. See, the narcissist in me would be like, this man, this old man knows that I'm special. (laughs) That's why he was looking at me like that. That's why he recognised the deep, insane wonderful power that's inside of me (laughs) but in all seriousness like this one is freaky right but I do wonder if there's a confusion of two memories here and actually if the original poster had seen this video before and mixed up the memories of the old man so maybe the original video is the video that you know freaked him out in the first place right this original video of him being like a little baby and this old man looking at him and seeming like the old man was looking at him down the camera he it might have been that he had seen that when he was 12 years old or younger and then when he saw an old man who was behaving oddly outside the grocery store then oh shit is that the same old man because I'm going to associate that old man with the old man that freaked me out in the video etc etc However, there is something really disconcerting about somebody recognising you when you're one or two years old and then this same person recognising you when you're 12 years of age. Because you'd be thinking, well, who is this man? How was he in Yellowstone? Because presumably that was a family holiday, right? You'd be thinking, how was he in Yellowstone? And then how was he outside the grocery store? And I am going to argue that the old man didn't just recognise him because you don't really recognise people that much from the time they were a baby to the time they were 12. You wouldn't recognise them that much. So it's not like he's gone, oh shit, I've seen that kid before. 
again, like the Aurora story, I think I'd be obsessed. I'd be like, I need to know how you know me. How do you know me? What is it you know about me? What do you want me to know? Or what do you not want me to know? I would be obsessed with this old man. I would have to find him. I know I've told this story on the podcast before, but I'm absolutely going to tell it again. So a friend of mine was sitting on the train one day and this friend has absolutely no interest in the paranormal, supernatural, nothing like that, is a complete non-believer. He was sitting on the train and across from him was a man who he said, it was. he said it was just him, but but older. Like he, he was really freaked out by him and just was sitting staring at him. Because even he recognised, oh my God, this man is me, but but much, much more older. And the man was sitting reading the paper. And then at one point he just put the paper down, looked up and went. And the man just said, I know, don't get married. And that was it. And then continued reading the paper and like, oh, it just gave me the absolute heebie-jeebies. Okay, we are moving on to the next story, which is story number four. At a friend's place back in 2008, when we were all teenagers, we had a cool shed at my friend's that we'd hang out in every weekend. It had four sets of bunk beds, tables, a fireplace, a TV, a fridge, etc. The whole lot. One night we were all hanging out in there and I decided I needed a piss. I walked out the front door of the shed and started to walk to the right when I stopped. It was dark by now. The lights from the house illuminating the space between the house and our cars, but trailing off just past them. As I took a step to the right, intending to go behind the cars to relieve myself, I saw my friend's older brother standing there. I watched him for a good five to ten seconds as he stood there, facing into the darkness. He then proceeded to walk behind a couple of trees and a car before he disappeared. Confused, I walked back into the shed and asked my friend what his brother was doing by the cars. The conversation went as follows. Hey man, what's your brother doing by the cars? What do you mean? He just walked off behind the cars. The brother responded, I'm right here. I looked over and there his brother was, sitting down on one of the chairs with a drink. He was wearing the exact same clothes that I saw him in and the only way to get into the shed was through the door that I was standing in the way of. To this day, I have no idea how it all happened. I'm guessing I was just seeing things, but the fact that I watched him walk around for a good 10 seconds has always puzzled me. I've never had anything else like that happen. What do these doubles want? Is this a further link to our previous story, our Aurora story? where Aurora's body double was knocking around in people's dreams and then making phantom phone calls. And if you are going to be seeing things, would you not be seeing things that are slightly more interesting than your friend's brother who's already sitting at this party? And we often hear of these doppelganger stories where the doppelganger calls out or is knocking around at night time. But in this one, there's no interaction between the witness and the doppelganger. And I've never really had any explanation for these doppelganger stories. Like... Is it some sort of astral projection? Like, are we capable of doing that even when we are awake and lucid? Can we kind of zone out and astral project and have a version of us wandering around doing things? And we are moving swiftly on to story number five. I had a friend in high school. Let's call him Bob. Bob was a very nice fellow. And while we weren't that close, we had similar tastes in music and we'd share CDs. This was the late 80s, way before file sharing. Anyway, we eventually graduated and I moved several hundred miles away to college and we lost touch. When I left for college, I still had one of Bob's CDs in my possession. It was beat by King Crimson. Fast forward 10 years, I graduated college and was knee deep in my career and finally saved up enough money and bought my first house. In the new house and while unpacking, I see the CD in a box hadn't noticed it in many years and thought, gee, I really should track down Bob and return this. Right then, the doorbell rings. It's Bob. And he says, hey, you wouldn't happen to still have my King Crimson CD, would you? I look down and I'm holding it in my hand. I hand it to him and his mouth drops open. Mine probably already is. We exchange pleasantries. I probably asked him how he found me, but I no longer remember, and he eventually takes off. I haven't seen Bob since. 
Now, I said in the beginning of this that we're not talking about the validity of these stories, but there is no way 10 years later somebody's coming knocking on your door looking for a CD. Unless that CD is like worth a bazillion, bazillion, gazillion pounds, you are not going knocking on the door looking for a single CD. You would just rebuy it. You would eBay it. You would find it on Amazon. You would find it somewhere. But you would not go knocking on somebody's door that you haven't seen in years and say, hi, really sorry, do you actually have my uh, King Crimson CD? And if that did happen, that is the biggest coincidence I've ever heard. (laughs) I would be like, I mean, if I was that, the original poster and also Bob, and you're standing looking at each other, him with the CD in his hand and Bob looking for the CD, I'd be like, this is really weird and I don't think we should ever talk about this again. And I would also be like, yes, I agree. Let's, let's never, let's never do this again. Like, why would you hunt somebody down for a specific CD? Unless it was like, you know, that CD was given to me by somebody who then passed away or I don't know. I don't know. Like, would you even remember who you would given your CDs to? Am I just showing up a lot about myself right now that I'm like, I would never in a bazillion years do that. And we are going to keep ambling our way through the matrix to story number six. I used to work in a building that had three levels of sub-basements. With a piece of lab equipment I typically worked on in the lowest basement, I had the only key. There was a wired phone in there. And I did work late some nights, but not this night. I was sleeping alone in my apartment when I woke up to a call on my cell phone from my girlfriend at 3am. She was in hysterics and asking why I scared her. Apparently she received a call from that basement phone just a minute earlier, with someone who sounded like me, slowly repeating her name, until crackling and fading out. My apartment was 10 miles away from work. I thought she was lying. But I saw the 3am call from the basement phone logged on her cell phone myself. It still freaks me the fuck out. As it should freak you the fuck out, original poster. Because um, why you got three levels of sub-basements? And why are you working with a piece of lab equipment in the lowest basement on your own? What are you doing down there? What are you, what are you inventing down there? What are you creating? What are you working on? Sounds like something from the film Splice. Did you invent a version of yourself that is ringing your girlfriend at 3am because if you did that's your own fault you cannot be posted on reddit complaining about that if you invented that if you created that like a like a proper modern day frankenstein down there then that is your own fault and there are just a wealth of these kinds of stories like are people making them up i don't think they are making them up i don't think there's anything to gain from making up these stories i understand that on places like reddit you get um like you get upvoted and stuff if you write a story that people really like but there's forums specifically where you can make up stories if you want to make up stories where you can write all the stories that you want and you know really respected forums like the no sleep forum etc you know there are there are places where you can make up stories I just don't see why you would anonymously make up a story like this or what you what you could gain from it and there are just so many stories of people like hearing the voices of their partners, of their loved ones, etc, etc. Like, why is that happening? What does that mean? What is to be gained from that happening, if not only being a way to scare somebody? Because that's that's all that seems to have been achieved by this. Is it like a residual energy that existed down in the basement where his voice, I don't know, somehow called her? And because he says her name. But who's who's he talking to down in that basement that he'd be saying her name? Oh, I don't know. I'm tying myself up in knots with these stories. And the next story, story number seven, comes from Musical Moses. Ten years ago, I was returning home from a road trip with two friends. I received a phone call from my parents asking when we would be arriving. And I explained that we were about 25 minutes away. About a minute later, we came around a bend... It was a full moon and we could see the reflection from a lake below us. And other than that, the road was completely empty. Suddenly, everything went completely dark in the car. No lights from the dash or gauges or headlights on the road. The music also stopped and restarted at the beginning of the CD we were listening to. There was now a vehicle pulled over by police about a quarter mile in front of us that hadn't been there a split second before. I assumed I had dozed off just for a second as it was late. I thought it was all quite peculiar though. 
After about a minute, the driver of the car turned the music all the way down and said, Did that just happen to anybody else? The other passenger in the back seat sat forward abruptly and exclaimed, I thought I just fell asleep. We then realised that the clock in the car was reading an hour later than it just had a minute before. To keep ourselves from freaking out, we decided that the car possibly had a momentary electrical failure and reset the clock to an odd time, turned off the dash lights, headlights and gauges and restarted the CD player. But when we arrived home 25 minutes later, we were one hour late. I am missing an hour of my life and to this day, I have no idea how it happened. Oh no, I hate this story so much because that is like... Aliens 101, okay? You and your friends were all abducted by aliens. They took you away for an hour, did whatever ungodly experiments they needed to do, like putting things up your bum and in your eyeballs and whatever, and then they dropped you back into the car and off you went about your business. It is it is weird that all all of the people in the car registered that something had happened and you had lost, you had all lost an hour of your life. Because I would have immediately said, okay, something's happened with the car, so the car has gone back to some sort of default mode. The CD's gone back to the beginning, etc., etc., right? You'd, you, Of course you'd think that. But it's the loss of an hour of time, especially when you've just had a phone call where you've gone, I'll be there in 25 minutes. And then you're like, oh, I'm I'm actually an hour late. So where did that hour go? And I, and I know that hypnotherapy is really controversial, in terms of like suggestive memories, all of those things, right? But this would be a point where I'd be like, I think I need hypnotherapy. I I want to know what happened. But the minute I saw an alien in my hypnotherapy, in my regression therapy, I'd be up punching the hypnotherapist and I'm out the door. I don't want to know anymore, okay? And the next story, story number eight, comes from a user called I Am Infamy. I was a sophomore in high school at my girlfriend's house watching a movie. It was around 10pm when the flick ended. I proceeded to skateboard home. I only lived like two blocks away and it was a pretty quiet suburban neighbourhood. I was skating down the hill towards a larger street. Larger but never really busy, especially not at night. When I reached the intersection and nailed a rock. I had planned on blasting across the street since there were no cars coming from either direction. I flew off the board, skidded a good three or four feet on my head, right shoulder, hip and knee. I rolled onto my back and screamed out in agony. The pain was so bad that I couldn't really move. I looked up the road and about 30 yards off was a car coming down the way. And towards where I landed, I was right in its path. It was a two lane street and I was right in the middle of his lane. My head was aligned with the wheel. I tried like hell to move. I screamed. I yelled. I couldn't do anything. The car was about 15 yards off. He didn't see me. He made no attempt to swerve. It was 10 yards. I heard him barreling down. I closed my eyes. I braced. Nothing. Opened my eyes and I looked to where the car had been and there was nothing. But I heard the car behind me. I looked to where it was supposed to be in the other direction and there was taillights cruising up the road. I hadn't moved and he didn't swerve. It was like he passed through me or I passed through him. There isn't really any way that he could have passed over me, not with the way I landed and was positioned in the street. It was a little car, I couldn't explain it. I got up, terrified, bloody and baffled, hobbled home and went to sleep. No one believed me but it's true. Well, Anonymous Reddit poster, if you do happen to be listening to this, I believe you. We believe you. But I do wonder if when you fell off your skateboard and banged your head, that that caused some sort of hallucinatory reaction. Is it possible that a bang on the head like that could cause somebody to hallucinate impending danger or doom? I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not. Actually, I am a doctor, but I'm not a medical doctor. So I can't I can't answer that one. But it makes me wonder if, if something to do with falling off the skateboard at such velocity caused your brain to see impending danger coming when it wasn't actually there. Because I, I don't believe for a second that if a car was passing through that it wouldn't see you and that it wouldn't have swerved or stopped or slowed down. Like it sounded like from what was described in this story that there was plenty of time for the car to stop or swerve or move out of the way, etc, etc. 
but it obviously didn't. So in my mind, it's like, is it is this just a hallucination? But also there were a bazillion and one stories that I looked through that were all about people who feel like they have a destiny or that, you know, there is there is an element of destiny in life because they had these crazy experiences where they should have died and they just didn't like standing up and walking away from accidents or like the Aurora story at the beginning, something stopping them from getting into a serious accident. There was one story of a person who was standing at a bus stop just standing waiting for a bus and suddenly felt this overwhelming fear and anxiety, walked away from the bus stop and then a car ploughed into the bus stop just where they had been standing. And, you know, they, they, they said at the end of the story, like, it made me believe in destiny and fate. And story number nine comes from a user called Glass Jailer. And this story freaked me out so much for a number of reasons. So let's get into it. On two occasions, I have breathed underwater with no mechanical assistance. I was about 11 when it first happened. I was swimming one afternoon in the diving well at my gym. The pool is about 14 feet deep with a fairly small surface area. I've always been a strong and confident swimmer and love to dive to the bottom of the pool and flip over, open my eyes and look up at the surface. So I dived down and was sitting against the wall and I had this overwhelming urge to breathe in. I refused this thought, disbelieving and scoffing at my brain's sheer strangeness. But the thought came again, and it was utterly convincing. I can't explain why I decided to breathe in. I just knew that I wouldn't ever choose to do that, but in this instance, I did. I took the most careful, mincing breath in. I could feel great pressure, but I breathed normally. It was air I breathed and not water. I took four full breaths while sitting at the bottom of the pool and after each breath, I became more horrified and agitated. My disbelief was outstanding. I kind of freaked out and shot to the surface as quick as I could. After I rationalised a bit, I calmed down. My logical mind kept telling me that somehow I'd had a bubble of air caught on my face. Because how else could I have breathed like that? But over years of trying to make sense of it, I'm 30 years old now, I recognise that air always finds its way to the surface expediently. It won't just catch around somebody's face. I tried to do it again that day, diving and diving, trying to replicate the experience. Got quite a bit of water up my nose before I gave up. It did happen a second time. Same pool, four years later, I took five breaths. The same feeling of overwhelming confidence that it would be okay to breathe. I couldn't explain it the second time either. Sometimes when I read stories like this, I do think to myself, hang on a second, okay? Where is my superpower? Where is my ability to breathe underwater? Although, (laughs) I will say that twice, two separate occasions, two isolated incidents of being able to breathe underwater does not a superpower make. But I'm still jealous. I am very much decidedly ordinary and uh, have never had anything weird like that happen to me in that way. I wonder if their original explanation for what happened is maybe somewhat true. So they said their logical mind kept thinking that somehow they'd had a, had like a bubble of air caught on their face. Maybe they didn't have like a bubble of air or maybe there was like air trapped in an air pocket in that particular part of the pool. Like maybe it's interesting that it's the same pool it happened in four years later kind of the same the same circumstances same situation I know very little about drowning right because the idea of drowning really scares me so I've never really looked into like what happens to people just before they drown or what happens to your brain or people talking about almost drowning and then you know surviving and how it felt I just can't I can't bear the idea of it it really freaks me out But is it possible that this person had been under the water for too long and their brain went into sort of like a semi-hallucinatory state in which they believed they were breathing underwater? But surely, surely you just surface, right? Again, like I just said, I feel like I'm absolutely talking myself round in circles with these stories. Okay, we've got two more stories left. And the next story, story number 10. When I was a teenager, I had two really intense dreams one night. 
The first one was about an online friend of mine calling me to say that she had broken up with her boyfriend and I sang a few lines of Seal's Don't Cry to her over the phone. The second dream was finding a real-life friend's dead body floating in her bathtub. I didn't think anything of it until I went on my computer that evening and the online friend chatted to me to tell me that her boyfriend had broken up with her. I immediately asked if I could call her and she said no. I remember thinking that it meant something like I could change it. Not long after my phone rang and it was the real-life friend from the dream calling me. I was completely freaked out at this point but talked to her normally. She was just talking about school and stuff up until I realised I heard a splash in the background. I asked her, Are you in the tub? And when she said yes, I felt like my heart had stopped. I asked her, What did you do? She didn't answer me right away and then after a very long pause, she told me she had taken an entire bottle of pills and chased it with mushrooms and vodka. She had gotten scared waiting for it to hit her, so she called me so she'd hear someone's voice. I hung up and called 911. By the time they got there, she was unconscious but alive. Today, she's a mom to a beautiful little girl and she's okay. I don't know if these premonitory dreams can count as like glitch in the matrix stories because I don't feel like it's the world glitching. I feel like it's the universe or whatever you want to think it is warning you that these things are going to happen. So it gave you kind of an innocuous situation of like, oh, your your online friend and their, their boyfriend has broken up with them to be like, okay, that's weird. That I feel like that happened in my dream. So that then when the really serious thing happened, you're like, that definitely happened in my dream. This is the second time tonight this has happened. Holy shit, does this mean what I think it means? Because if your friend rang you and you hadn't had that dream and you heard them in the bath, you wouldn't think anything of it. Of course you wouldn't. Unless they specifically said, I'm after doing something or they were behaving very strangely on the phone or whatever it was. You wouldn't necessarily think anything untoward of it at all. And actually, it sounds like you saved or this person saved their friend's life. And it does freak me out because it makes me think about, you know, elements of kind of predestiny, you know, do we have a time in our life where we are destined to die and that, you know, it can happen, it can't happen before that? And what does that mean? If that is true, what does that mean? And I guess I really like fundamentally deep down don't believe that. But these stories definitely give me food for thought when it comes to death and death being avoided and seemingly like the universe stepping in to stop people from dying. And the very last story that we are going to do today, story number 11. Last summer, my car was in the shop for quite a while, so I had to depend on rides from friends to get around. One morning, my housemate woke me up saying there was some guy at the door looking for me. I tossed on some clothes and went to see who it was. This man, I had never met him before in my life. Made me really nervous too, because even though he seemed friendly, the fact that he knew my name and where I lived... But I thought maybe it was a stalker customer from work or something worse. Turns out he insisted I take $40 from him. According to him, I had loaned him that money the night before at a nearby gas station and, as promised, he was paying me back. Only I hadn't been to the gas station. In fact, at the time he said we had met, I had actually been at work. He looked at me like I was nuts when I said all this and eventually just told me, Okay, well, I don't know, but you gave me your address to mail you a cheque, but since you lived close by, I decided to just pay you in cash. In the end, I took the money. Why not? It was a free $40. But I was sort of freaked out. Maybe the guy was a stalker and this was some sort of elaborate ruse to meet me, right? But then this happened. Three days later, I had my car again after forever. I stopped at a nearby gas station, but paid inside because I wanted some bottled water too. There was one guy in front of me in the line arguing with the cashier. Apparently he wanted to put $30 in gas in his truck and buy a pack of cigarettes but his credit card kept being declined. This stranger who looked nothing like the other stranger from a few days earlier was begging for a break. He'd leave his phone, his wallet, anything as collateral. He just needed the gas to go home real quick and get some cash and then he'd be right back to pay. But the cashier refused. Finally I just said... That's like $40, right, for the gas and the cigarettes? Yep, I ended up giving him the same two $20 bills the first stranger had given me a few days earlier. He kept saying, 
bless you, bless you. What is your name? I'll pay you back. Where do you live? I swear I'll pay you back right away. I was so freaked out by the coincidence and the strangeness of it all that I decided to break the circle. I gave him a fake name and told him he could pay me back the next day at a store I don't work at. I felt like I had to break the loop or else I might be forever more meeting a stranger who either needed $40 or had $40 to give me. I never saw either of those gentlemen again, by the way. This almost feels like an it follows or a smile as in the movies situation where you gave him a fake name and an an address where you weren't at and he's definitely going to go the next day or whatever and be like, I owe you $40, I owe you $40 and then that person is like, okay, thank you. And then they meet somebody who needs $40. What an, what an odd chain to be involved in. I just don't really understand what happened in this story. You know, it seems like such a weird chain of coincidences. This person arrives at your door and they're like, here's $40. Thank you so much for all your help last night. And then the next time you're in the gas station, there's somebody in front of you who desperately needs $40 in the same story that the man who gave you the $40 in the first place told such a weird coincidence and I have to say if this episode has taught us anything it's that maybe there are no coincidences you know maybe maybe we are all just living in the matrix and it glitches every so often and weird things happen and we get stuck in them thank you so much for listening to today's episode oh it's been great fun diving back into glitches in the matrix again after so long just a little reminder if you want to listen to some great new podcasts please go and listen to true crime coven and also go listen to scary a paranormal podcast the links to both will be in the description of this episode the links to all of the stories that i referred to today will also be in the description of this episode thank you so much for listening if you would like to send in your spooky story you can do so by emailing it to realifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com you can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com and if you are desperate for extra content you can get some extra content by signing up to patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free and on that note I shall see you next time Even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.